Uh, well, welcome. My name is Daryl Temple. I and my lovely wife, Bethany, who was up here taking the offering not too long ago, have the privilege of leading this beautiful community of people. And we are so excited that you're here uh, with us today to worship God and to get into his word together. Um, quick little plug uh, for both the retreat and the Couples Connect night. We want to just encourage you guys. Hey, listen, some of you guys procrastinate, okay? Way too long. You're like last minute. And that's not helpful for us, okay? Because we want to organize and really be able to serve this community well when we get together as couples and as we get together as a church at the retreat. And so early registration is key. It's clutch for us to organize and kind of bring the practical dynamics together well so that you guys are served well. So if you're planning on coming, listen, come. You're not going to be let down. It's going to be an awesome time to grow in our relationships with one another and our relationships with God, our relationship with God. So just register, take the plunge, be there with us. It's going to be a great hang. We're going to have a great time in the presence of God with some great people, um, you know, leading us along the way. Uh, today, fathers, it's your day. I know. I, I got... Uh, I'm kind of in the father pool now. I feel pretty good for 12 years. I've raised up my one little night of passion. We're, we're, doing, we're doing well. Uh, you know, me and Bethany, I think we're, we're doing our best not to ruin him. He's only our only child. So if we ruin him, it's like we don't have a backup plan. You know, it's, so it's kind of, you know, pray for me. It's kind of a hard position to be in. Uh, but I want to kind of uh, bring a word that I hope encourages fathers and encourages those who kind of need father figures. So I, I know that may be a new term, I think, actually up into this week. I was, or have been, really uncomfortable with the term, like, spiritual father, which is, which is interesting because um, if you know anything about our ministry and kind of me and my wife's story, you know that we have a spiritual father. His name is Lou Engel, who, who actually helped us plant our house of prayer in this church. And so it's kind of interesting that I would have such a problem with in that uh, kind of language because I do have a spiritual dad, and, and his name is Lou Engel, and, and I'm getting on with it. But I'm getting on with it more so because I actually found that in the scriptures, this thing is real. Like there is a real need for spiritual spiritual fathers, for fathers in the faith. And so that's where we're going today. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm a bit sarcastic, right? You, 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 if you've hung around me, you know that I like to take jabs at people and joke around. Now, I'm not sure if that's biblical. I think there is, and we're going to get into a while here, and you're like, man, you are totally unbiblical. I, I hear you, but I'm going to go with my gut on this. I think there is a place for the church where sarcasm is needed and necessary, Okay, as long as we're not tearing apart each other, like, right, and tearing each other down, I think it's good to have fun in the house of God with the people of God. And so I want to uh, appro uh, appropriately title this sermon, Find a Father to Follow. Find a Father to Follow. Let's first address the necessary need or side for sarcasm in the church. Uh, I know, we're off to a great start. Some of you are like, who is this guy? Don't worry, we're going we're gonna to get into the scriptures here. You know, and I, I think the best candidate to use, although there's plenty, I think within Jesus' ministry, I think you can find a little humor, you know, a little sarcasm, especially when he interfaces with uh, some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He takes some jabs, he takes some punches, but Paul the Apostle as well falls in his footsteps, excuse me. Um, and it, uh, fortunately for us, in the book of Corinthians, we see Paul take a couple jabs throughout both First and Second Corinthians at the church. Why? I think it's because 
uh, first and foremost, they kind of lacked a needed respect for Paul the Apostle. He was kind of looked down by, uh, or down to by the Corinthian church. And, and instead of uh, Paul getting angry or salty, I'm pretty sure salty means angry, at least that's what my son tells me. Uh, but instead of him getting angry and salty, he takes a couple jabs. And I like that. I really do. I, I think, I think uh, that's all we need to kind of, uh, kind of discover the theological importance of why sarcasm should be in the church and why we should be a, a, a funny people. Um, and so essentially, we're just giving some context. Paul gets into it with the Corinthian church through his writings. And he takes a couple jabs at these uh, kind of self-proclaimed guides. I don't, that's what he calls them, actually, in, in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. Um, he, he, he takes some jabs, and, and, and essentially these guides are kind of like people, guardians who come alongside uh, of like struggling believers and kind of coach them through life. And, and Paul, you know, lovingly but yet sarcastically says, hey, listen, you got a lot of guides in Christ, but you do not have a lot of fathers. You know, these guides would kind of be like, you know, the customer service people at Walmart. You know, I was just there a couple days ago looking for, I think, some uh, scratch repair for a new leather seat. My dog is, pray for him. He needs Jesus. I think he needs deliverance too. He's got a demon. At least that's the way it appears when the mailman shows up uh, because the guy, no matter, I mean, he's six years old and no, it, without fail, he will always act uncontrollably annoying when the mailman comes. And so we got these new chairs and he jumps up there and he claws it. So I'm like, all right, Abram, we're going to go to the store. We're going to see if we can buy some patch, you know, some, some leather patch repair. And we went there and, and of course this lovely lady, her name was Janice. She led me to where the patch repair was. So it's kind of like she guided me, uh, you know, genius bar. Hello. Any Apple fans here, right? You take your product, you take your favorite phone or iPad or, or desktop to the genius bar. And, and, and there's things that you just can't diagnose. I mean, I have a, a, a privilege in that I have like personal care. I don't need to go to Apple. It's his name is Will Eifler. He, he's seems to always just be there for me in a pinch. And, and I, I got to tell you, he's far more thorough and better at the job than those who work at the Genius Bar. But, but that's, that, I mean, listen, don't be calling Will for computer support, okay? Uh, that's mine, all right? We're going to stick with it. It's not yours. If we, we jamble it up too much, it's going to take away from the things that I need him for. But it's kind of like the Genius Bar, you know, uh, at Apple who are helping out us diagnose the problems with our favorite Apple products. Um, or our wives. Anybody have that wife who is like, she is just far more organized, put together. She keeps your world like just tightly like together. I have one of them. My wife, without my wife, I don't know where I would be. Uh, um, she is uh, my kidney. You know, she's probably more than my kidney. She's like my heart. I mean, she's my everything. In that, she keeps my world together. She's almost like my guide, my guru, okay? But I, I mean, I hold her hand and she navigates me through life's toughest trials and problems. And I love that about her. But here's the thing. My wife uh, um, successfully does that in my life. And hopefully if you're married here today, your wife or your husband plays the same role uh, in your life. But these guides, well, they were failing miserable at their job. Like, they, they, like, like if I was the pastor there in Corinth, I would fire probably every one of them. Because interestingly enough, in the next chapter, Paul addresses the Corinthian church of sexual immorality. Uh, there, there's, this, there's this thing that's happening, this, 
the sexual thing between a, 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 a son and his stepmom, and Paul calls it out. So clearly, if you are familiar with the book of Corinthians, you know, both in uh, uh, Corinthians 1 and Corinthians 2, that there is an awful lot of trouble going on in the house of God. I mean, it's like... Where, you know, like if they have many gods, if they have many people discipling them and leading them through life's most biggest challenges, then what's the problem? But yet there's a problem. Paul calls it out. Uh, if you want this verse that he calls out, it's in 1 Corinthians 5.1 where he points to the sexual immorality. And hey, listen, you know things are pretty bad. Let's read the verse, actually. Uh, here in, in verse 1 of chapter 5, Paul says this, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wives. Now, you know it's pretty bad in the church when we start tolerating sin that even pagans reject. Okay, like, you know, like we're, uh, uh, you know, uh, and I think that will preach, right, probably into kind of like our modern day church context. You like, we, we so embrace certain things that even the world rejects. And, and it's so weird. And Paul's calling this out. It's like, what's wrong here, guys? Even pagans wouldn't do this. And I think that's quite telling. And it's not even that the sexual immorality is bad in and of itself, because it is. They seem to be pretty boastful about it as well. If you read on to chapter 5, you find that there's a certain kind of pride and arrogance almost celebrating this thing this, that's happening in this family. And it's simply, I think, because from my study is that um, they ultimately think it's an opportunity for the grace of God to, to, to manifest. And so instead of confronted, they'll just be like, oh, can we, we can't even begin to comprehend God's grace. Look at this thing of which he's forgiving in this family. And so things are wild, whacked, and out of control. Now let's read uh, the key text, the point of all that is to say there is serious breakdown in the Corinthian church. I believe it starts at the leadership level, most likely with these guides. Um, and, and they don't appear to move the church towards godliness at all. In, in verse uh, 4, 15, and 16 of 1 Corinthians, we read this. This is the key kind of text that I want to zone in, kind of unpack for us this morning as we um, go along here. Paul the Apostle says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became a father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And then in verse 16, I love this. You know, Paul usually urges people to follow Christ, uh, to follow Jesus. And here he says, follow me. <laughs> like you, I, I want to I tell you, be an imitator of me, the one who begot you, the, your father who, who started your faith and your, 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 your pilgrimage into salvation. And so uh, I love that. So this is what we're zoning in on. But can I first and foremost just say this and, and make my first point here this morning? I, I want to just plead like Paul pleads uh, with you guys, this church here at Hilltop, is that stop relying on blind people to lead you in the areas of blindness in your own life. Now, let me unpack that for a little bit. Like, like, like some of us go to the weirdest, we get the weirdest counsel and guidance over, or from, I should say, people that are ultimately like caught up and trapped up, probably in the same kind of either emotional or sexual or financial struggle that we're in ourselves. 
And this is what Paul's addressing. There's a kind of Matthew 15, 14 thing going on here. Let's read that quickly. Here's Jesus. He's speaking of the Pharisees and Sadducees in verse 14 of chapter 15, the gospel of Matthew. He says, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if, blind, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. It makes no sense for us to rely upon people who are blind in certain areas of their life and actually uh, think that they're going to counsel us, give us wisdom and direction and guidance. And, and I think this is what's going on in the book of Corinthians is that these guides are kind of set up much like the Pharisees that Jesus encountered in his days. And nobody ultimately has the vision and the foresight to lovingly and godly lead these people to the paths of righteousness. And there are similar, there are overlaps of that in the church today where, where, where blind people are leading blind people. Like, like the last thing that I'm going to go with to or a person that I'm going to go to if I have some kind of struggle in my life is somebody who has a similar struggle. But yet it's, it's common in the church. It's common in the church. And what I want to do is briefly just plead with you. Find a father to follow. Because fathers lead differently. They lead differently. You can pull me aside after service, and I'll unpack that a little bit for you. But let me give a little illustration. Have you ever been misguided in life, maybe by someone or something? I'm sure all of us, if there was a show of hands, we'd all be like, oh, absolutely. Let me, let me tell you of a situation where I was misguided kind of in my early 20s. Um, many of you know me and Bethany's story. I'm sorry, honey, I use our dating experience uh, a lot as illustrations uh, for our church, but this is a good one. Um, back in our 20s, we used to do this event called Breakout Night. It was kind of just a breakout. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really cool. We would kind of like break out from the normal way of doing youth group. I don't even think it was all that great, but I mean, we had lights and smoke machines and, you know, just, you know, being teens and, you know, just loving life, doing things a little bit differently. And, 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 and one um, Wednesday, I'm sorry, it was a Friday night, uh, we had this couple from England come in to uh, minister uh, uh, prophetically. They were, they, they were, they were a prophetic couple. Uh, and, um, you know, what happened was is they, they ministered powerfully at the service. It was great. It was awesome. And then um, our youth pastor thought it would be great if they kind of met with each leader um, afterwards, like on Saturday. So like just pull one of the leaders in an office and just kind of do a one-on-one -on -one type of encouragement and exhortation type of thing. And so, hey, that's a great idea. We all want to be encouraged and, and, and stuff like that. So interestingly enough, um, me and Bethany, the, the, this prophetic couple, they like called both of us into the meeting. So it wasn't just me going by myself. It was the two of us. And we're just dating at the time. Uh, and so we thought it was interesting. I think our relationship was a little bit rocky at the time, uh, but it was interesting. And we're like, Hey, let's go, let's go see what this is all about. And, and lo and behold, um, these guys were like professional marriage counselors. Uh, they not, not, not too prophetic, but, um, uh, they thought in, uh, they would give us counsel to marry each other and marry each other quickly. And, and I, at the time was all for it. I'm like, yes, sign me up. I'll do it tomorrow. Let's go elope. Let's go to Vegas. Like, oh, like, what do we need to do? Let's sign me up. And, and um, Luckily uh, for me, you know, and this is the way Bethany is kind of always um, intervening and kind of helping me out in life. 
And she's like, oh, no, 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 we're, we're you know, she's immediately, we're not there yet. And, and so we kind of go through this process. They're trying to convince Bethany, are you sure? Like, you guys should really start moving towards marriage. Now, lo and behold, if I was truly honest at the time, I was like deep into like addiction. Like I had so much brokenness in my life. And, and I was probably like five days away from backsliding. And, and here I am totally excited. Like, yes, God's got us. But yet I am in a rough, bad place personally. And, and I'm thinking somewhere in the back of my mind, although I'm trying to drown those thoughts. I'm thinking, yes, Lord, but no, like I would ruin her. It it wouldn't last. Like I need Jesus. And so uh, this is just one of the many examples that uh, I think we have in our dating experiences where you just want to make sure you rely upon the right people to give you guidance in life. It's important. It's so imperative You know, had we taken the counsel of this beautiful, you know, couple from England and we'd have kind of adhered to their prophetic insight, man, we would not, trust me, I'm not trying to be dramatic, we would not be married today. It would have been a mess. And so it's important, it's crucial, friends, that we get guidance, that we get wisdom from the right people. So find a father to follow, and I'm going to wrap it up in the next two hours here on this last point. Um, Charles Kittering, I think is the way you pronounce his name. I don't know him. I'm kind of speaking to you as if I do, uh, but I don't. But he wrote this interesting little quote about fathering. He said, every father should remember that one day his child will follow his example and not his advice. Now, I can't tell you how true and how close this hits to home in my own life. I'm moving pretty fast, worship a little, little long, and I'm trying to unpack a lot, but let me, just, let me just say this for all you dads who have young children and all you dads or all you guys who are hopefully aspiring to be a dad. Um, take this little quote to heart. Like, I can't tell you how true these words are. You know, when my son was younger, like I could tell him anything. I could just give him advice and he would snap right in, listen right up. And it was like, yes, that's awesome. Can we just keep this going? But now my son's a little older and you know, he's not necessarily taking dad's words to heart, but man, he is very paying close attention to dad's actions. Okay, like he's, he's like zoned in. And if I try to confront him on the words like sucks or friggin', he's like, well, dad, you used that yesterday. I'm like, good Lord, I did. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry for using that language, but, but that's, that's, that's how, how true and how near and dear to, this is to my heart. Like, guys, our, our sons, and, and not just like, like our biological sons, our, our, those who maybe consider you to be fatherly, a, a spiritual father in their life, that people aren't looking just for your advice only. They're looking at your life. And I think this is what Paul is getting close to here in chapter 4, 15 through 16, right? Because he's not just telling the Corinthian church to heed his opinion and his advice. He's urging them and pleading with them to what? Follow his example. Be an imitator of me, church. It's interesting that he's saying this to a group of people that don't really have all that much, of res- all that much respect for him. 
Let's read the text again in closing. It says, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became a father to you in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And I urge you then, be imitators of me. So Paul pleads with the church, sorry for repetition, but I think it's important. He pleads with them to follow his example. And Paul speaks openly about his role in their lives, right? I mean, if you look at the beginning of chapter four, it's all laid out for you. He, he gives his, his own kind of like testimony, his biography of how he suffers and how he perseveres. And he, he's laying all these things out and he kind of just caps it all off with, and I urge you, church, follow that example, so he's, he's laying out for them the example in the beginning of chapter four. He holds this church near and dear to his heart in his prayer. It's interesting that Paul is not able to be uh, with the church at the time. So what does he do? He, he sends his beloved son, Timothy, to them. And, and, he, and he says, hey, listen, essentially, if, if, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, maybe drifting a little bit from uh, the, the, the true uh, kind of essence of what he's explaining here. But he's kind of saying, hey, listen, you know, here, here's Timothy. Now, if you know anything about the story of Timothy and Paul, you, 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 you know that they have a father-son type relationship going on. Uh, a, you know, Paul is very much a father in the faith to Timothy. And Paul pretty much says, I, I can't be with you, so I'm sending my son Timothy. Now, he is someone who has fully adhered to my, uh, uh, like following me and being an imitator of me. And I'm putting him with you and follow him because he's close, near and dear to my heart. He's my son. Follow Timothy, follow his example. Because, you know, unfortunately, Paul can't be with the Corinthian church at the time. Now, I, I, I love that. Um, and we could read the text for ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 17. Paul says this, This is why I've sent you, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways. <laughs> That's... As I teach them everywhere in the church. Now, this is important for us. We're a rather young church, and I, I, I would love to. And you know, who, who even knows how, how you how you look to me personally as a pastor or maybe a father in the faith? But man, if you struggle with looking uh, at me as 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 being that in your life, man, look to somebody who's near my heart and who is who is um, lovingly maybe serving God's church beside me. I, I think of plenty. I, I have Andrew Montoya and Will Eifler, and the list just goes on. So, like, if if you're reluctant to follow my example, and maybe. Um, Maybe there's an issue of like, you know, bandwidth where I'm not able to kind of play like a, a role in everyone's life here. But, but if, if, if we can't get to that kind of connection, man, find someone who exemplifies the heart of a father. Stop, stop getting wrapped up and ensnared with, with blind guides who ultimately are going to lead you to pits, like Jesus said. They're not going to help you. They have no counsel for you. They themselves need counseling. Find a father to follow. And if you can't find one, find somebody who is. Follow them. Ultimately, this is what I believe Paul lays out for us here. You know, 
It's so tricky. I, I, I remember in, in my early 20s, man, I, I just went to the weirdest places and people for, for wisdom. And I, you know, I just like, I, I, you know, I would, and I would confine and I would kind of just bare my heart. And, and, and I, I found out over the course of time, like, man, these guys need fathers as well. They're not in any place to really father me and kind of give me godly advice. And this is such an epidemic in the church. And I think even more so in a church like ours because we are young. And if you haven't noticed, like the majority of our church are like, you know, not married. They're, they're like, you know, they just like, there's like a shortage of, of older married men to kind of look to. It's just, it's clear, it's, it's obvious. But man, that, that shouldn't change the imperative, you know, nature and it kind of our, our goal to set out to find people who can lovingly father us through some of life's most hardest um, places and, and most hardest decisions and, 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 and even, dare I say, some of the darkness that we face in our life. You know, I can't think of like, it's usually, you know, as a pastor, uh, people come to me like real late in the game, you know, like they've already like butchered their lives, their marriages, their, their finances, you know, they, they, they're just, they, it's like a last dish effort to try to make that last attempt to pull something out of the rubble. And, and can I just say this? Can, can, can we as a church, this small group here before September stop that? Can we stop waiting for the moment where all things go off the rail, our life seems to implode before we actually reach out and say, Pastor, I, I need your help. Or maybe it's not me. Maybe it's somebody else that you, you, you see has like a, a character of godliness and, 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 and they're leading themselves well as themselves. And so maybe it's somebody else that you're going to look to, but whatever it is, Whatever it is, we need to move forward in this. We, we need, and, and, then, and then just lastly, if you are a father here, you know, it, it, the, the responsibility falls upon you, not just to, you know, raise up your own children. Like the responsibility falls on us to raise up God's children as well. And there is a number of people in this church that need fathering. And so take this just as a personal, um, like just, I don't know, a plea or kind of just an exhortation to say, guys, we need to man up. We need to step into the gap of fathering young people spiritually, much like Paul fathered Timothy. I feel the pressure of this. I'm only 42 and most people think I'm like 25. I don't know why. I think I look plenty old, but... I got that working against me. Um, but, 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 but I don't think this kind of thing knows age. I don't, I don't think it does. I don't, I don't think it's biased to that. I think it's, it's just like, man, is there something of character on that man? Let, let me follow that. Let me aspire. Let me go after that. Let me build a relationship with that guy. So um, the responsibility falls upon us as well to be that for people. And I'm not trying to put up any kind of, you know, false pressure or kind of manipulate anyone here, but man, 
we, like the Church of Corinthians, um, have a need for fathers to rise up at, at this hour and in this church. And my hope is that we'll be able to do that by God's grace. So find a father to follow. That's, that's my exhortation for Father's Day. Listen, I want to quickly, because we didn't get to do it in the beginning, just pray for dads. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I realize it's a little different for dads. Um, we, we'd rather not be noticed, kind of just hang out in the background, you know. Um, but, but if I could, it, it just ask everyone to bow with me. And I'm going to just pray over the fathers of this church. And um, I'm going to bless them. And uh, if you could pray uh, with me in agreement. Father, we, we thank you for the massive opportunity in a church like this. Uh, we, we thank you for the massive responsibility as well, God, that we have. And, and I feel personally in my heart. Um, God, we, we, we pray right now that uh, we, would, we would bear, God, a certain kind of responsibility, not to just raise our biological children well, but to look where we could uh, um, meet a need, Lord, where there, there needs to be a raising of spiritual children as well, a, a kind of father and son uh, uh, relationship and connection, Lord, between believers, Lord. Uh, God, we, we, we ask, Lord, that you would grace us with this as a, as a young church, not just necessarily that we're new, but that we're young, God, in, in age. Father, I, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a grace that we would excel in this area, God. That, 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 that not only would fathers emerge, Lord, to, to raise and to love your children, God, but we also pray, Father, that, that, that uh, those of us who are in need uh, of fathers would, would, would seek them out, would find godly men to, to, to follow and to build relationships with that would so transform their hearts and lives. So, so God, I ask twofold. I ask, Lord, that you would start to inspire uh, those of us who are looking to the wrong people for wisdom and guidance to start looking to the right people, start looking to fathers in the faith. And I pray, God, that fathers here, Lord, those who have character, those who have godliness, would, would rise to the occasion to lovingly father your children. God, we pray this in your son's holy name. Breakthrough in this area, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Father, I, I thank you for, again, this day. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the dads here would be just celebrated, God, today. Lord, that, that they'd have special touch points with their family and loved ones, God, I pray, Lord, that you would refresh the dads here, God, at this church, Lord. I pray, Lord, that even now your Holy Spirit would come and stir their affections for Jesus, Lord. Deepen their love for Christ, Lord. And, Lord, deepen their love for their families, God. God, I pray, Lord, that today would be a day of refreshing for fathers. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close, I feel 
that we are to just continue to close the way we've been closing uh, for a while now. I'd, I'd like to open the altar. Maybe if I can get uh, Will or Nick up here to play.